We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. My name is Jari Bolander. Welcome to the Entrepreneur Ethos Podcast. On this podcast, we're going to take a deep dive into the traits, values, beliefs, and skills of all sorts of entrepreneurs to learn how to build a more ethical, inclusive, and resilient world. Let's get started. Hello, everyone. As usual, stay tuned to the end of the interview, where I'll give you some actionable insights that I learned from my guest. These insights are also in the show notes, and all of the show notes are over at theentrepreneurethos.com. As always, thanks for listening. Now, on to my guest for today, Michelle Douglas, a brand and marketing consultant and author of the forthcoming book, Don't Wear Shoes You Can't Walk In, a field guide for your 20s. Michelle worked for several years as a brand and marketing manager for an athletic sportswear company. One day on her long commute, she started to ask herself two key questions. What did you do today and how did it do good in the world? While she found some satisfaction in her job, she realized it wasn't enough and decided to take the leap into founding her own agency, Ladder where she works with nonprofits and small businesses. She also decided to write a book based on her daily journaling to help others figure out their own way in the world. Michelle's focus in her business and in the book is helping others articulate their mission, vision, and values. The litmus test for seeing if something is in alignment, she says, is to check your gut and look for a rallying cry, right? A sense of excitement. As a marketing and brand consultant, Michelle is excited to be applying all she knows to marketing her own book, which is due to be published in April of 2022. Now, let's get better together. Michelle Douglas, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Dari. Thanks so much for having me. You are quite welcome. We met through uh, Brooke over at She Writes Press, and I was just telling you before we started recording, I was trying to figure out how many She Writes Press authors I've had on the show. And I, I'm actually losing track. I think it's been over five so far, and they've all been just such wonderful conversations. Um, you know, you're the author of a book that's coming out in 20, April of 2022, Don't Wear Shoes, You Can't Walk In, um, which is uh, something that we're going to talk a little bit about. 
Uh, and we were talking a little bit about just how, how interesting it is, the whole entrepreneur, author, you know, there's a lot of, can be a lot of mixed emotions <laughs> as a, as an author and a writer, especially when you put your work out there. But, but before we get all into the, you know, therapy session for us, crazy writers, um, why don't you tell us how you got to do what you're doing today? Yeah. So um, as you mentioned, I'm a writer. I feel like when I, I talk to people, I, I say that I'm a writer who has a passion for helping individuals and brands uncover their reason for being and share their story. Uh, uh, my story for how I came to be doing what I'm doing now actually um, starts in a, a car. Uh, I was driving home from work one night. All great stories start in a car, right? Um, so I was driving home from work in Baltimore, Maryland, to my home in Annapolis, Maryland. Um, my commute was about 45 minutes to an hour each way. Uh, and I have to tell you, I learned that I'm not a commuter. Uh, that's actually something that I think you have to experience to know, but uh, I was not not a good person and not a good commuter. But uh, what, it, what it did is it gave me a lot of time to think uh, and ask myself big questions. Uh, and so on this particular drive, this question that came to mind was like, what did you actually do today? I was at work for 11 hours. At the time, I worked for a really large athletic apparel and footwear brand. Uh, and so I asked myself, what did you actually do today? And that was quickly followed by, was it for good? And uh, like I said, I was working for athletic apparel and footwear and I was working on shoes and I was specifically working on a cushioning system, um, which like in layman's terms is something like Nike Air. That's something everyone should understand. And I was figuring out how to brand and market a cushioning system and a new shoe. And so when I asked myself these big questions of like, what did you actually do today? And was it good for the world? I found myself saying, um, that the world didn't need me more shoes. And, <laughs> uh, and, you know, it was like, this really isn't like, I'm spending all this time, I'm driving all this time. And like, this is kind of the end result. And that doesn't mean that there weren't things I loved about that job. I mean, there were things I loved about the job. And, um, I just kind of felt like I had set this agenda for how I was using my gifts and that that agenda was a little bit more like reputation and recognition than it was contribution. Mm-hmm. And I really wanted to be in a space where I was um, like producing something good for the world. And so uh, in the fall of 2017, after that night in my car and several other nights in my car that were that exact same <laughs> conversation, I decided that I was going to leave my corporate job uh, and that I was going to do two things that could make a difference. And one of those was going to be starting my own business, um, doing brand strategy and communications consulting for nonprofits and small businesses. Uh, so that was one. And then the other one was going to be write a book. And so uh, it's a few years since 2017. And I'm excited that both of those are now going to be in existence and happening. Uh, but that, that kind of monumental car ride home is um, just a, a big part of how I got to where I am now. Wow. Yeah. Commute, sir. Yeah, I'm not a commuter either. <laughs> I, I used to commute a lot. Like uh, when I was working in Silicon Valley, I lived in San Francisco and I had, my job was in San Jose, which is 50 miles away, like door to door, right? And depending on the time of morning or evening I left, it was anywhere from an hour to two hour commute one way, yeah. right? Yeah. And yeah. I had a buddy, this guy, my friend Carl, and we kind of lived close to each other. And we were both really early people. Like we're the kind of people that wake up at five in the morning, like we're that nutty. 
and he was former, like he was in the Navy. So he was a, you know, like a bit very military guy. And so we would like commute together. <laughs> and sometimes it was just like bleary eyed, you know, let's go. We're going to get there. And, you know, I think the fastest we ever made it door to door was like 50 minutes. And, oh, and then you're like celebrating. And then we're like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, because we would be drinking coffee on the way. Like, and by the time we got there, we were we were amped. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're listening to talk radio. We're drinking coffee. We're talking. And because what we would do is we'd get to the office, then we'd work out in the gym and then go to gym, go to our job. Yeah. Right? But still, <laughs> I, I well, feel you. Yeah. I feel you. Gosh. Yeah. Well, and it really is. It really is something that I feel like you almost have to do in order mm. to know it's not for you. Uh, when I moved to this region, I was just so determined that, you know, I had to work in Baltimore or DC and that that was where I needed to be. And, you know, on the West Coast here, there's kind of similar hotspots, but I, you just have to do it to know it's not for you. Like proximity is so, so key. Um, and I'm, you know, I, I left in part so that I could do the work that I wanted to be doing and in part so that I could stop commuting. Yeah. It was funny um, that you mentioned that when we used to interview engineers at my old job, one of my old jobs, Cypress Semiconductor, um, we would say, well, why do you want to work at Cypress? Because Cypress had this uh, reputation for being very like, what's the word I'm looking for? Very um, driven, very male dominate, like very like hardcore, you know, the CEO would say four letter acronyms after every word. And those four letters, I mean, <laughs> it was pretty bad. I mean, you didn't want to be mm-hmm. on the guy's bad side. Yeah. Right? And so we would ask, well, why do you want to work at Cypress? And couple people, this one guy, he's just like, I took my, I took a, I took a pencil and I drew a five mile radius around my house and you were at one of them. <laughs> and I'm, I'm sitting there going, is that a good reason to work here? And then I realized like later on, I, I was at another company and we had the same question and she said the same thing. She's like, well, it's close to my house. And, and we're like, well, and I just, I remember I'm like, but you know what? That's really important, right? To them. Mm-hmm. And I find it really interesting because, you know, as you know, the great resignations happened and there's, you know, during the COVID thing, everyone's been more productive. They've been more productive because they're stuck at home, not stuck in traffic. Right. And I'm just wondering, like, what was it? What, what, what did push you over the edge? I mean, you talk about your, you know, your why and everything like that. And the job you were doing is really not contributing to society, but was it like, why am I wasting my time in traffic? Or I mean, it, it seems to me, and I'm, this is why I would love your thoughts on, like, what was the compounding effect of all that? I, I think it might be both of those things. You know, if, if in my mind, I'd like to think if you're really aligned with the values of a place, that maybe the drive is worth it. You know, like I always say, like, find the sweet spot where your talents and your values meet. And if you're really aligned, maybe it's worth it. I don't know. But, um, you know, for me, I think it was in part that I had this like yearning and like, it was just really hard in my heart that I needed to be be doing some work for good. And so I think that along with the fact that I was not a good human being driving, you know, was, (laughs) was kind of the compound. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. I I interviewed, uh, Lucinda, um, mm-hmm. she's another, she writes press yeah. um, author. And she was talking about something called core values. 
And it just struck me as like, gosh, what a good idea. You know, what are your core values? And I do a lot of this in the work I do with companies. I'm like, you know, do PR marketing, strategic communications Mm -hmm. and all that. And I always ask myself, what's this company's core value? And not in terms of the mission, vision and value statement, but in terms of like, what's the story they're trying to tell and what sort of that value arc of that story. So I'm curious, like, what were some of those values? You could expand a little bit more on that because clearly it's not commuting, (laughs) (laughs) which you you and I are lined on that, like check, 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 check. I I hate to drive. I hate to drive. You and I are also aligned on the the mission and vision values piece of work. So um, just to touch on that a little bit, you know, that's actually my, uh, that's like my favorite area of work. So ladder exists because I believe that like the most meaningful communication really comes from within. And I feel like so many organizations kind of have a mission, vision, values, uh, and they, they just have them because they have to, not because they're true. And I found so many organizations that like had a little something on a placard or maybe even at a bigger corporation, they had it across their elevator, but it's just like, are, are we living these things? Do people know and believe these things? Like how do your, how do your employees live these and speak them freely. And uh, so it's interesting because I feel like I knew, you know, you can say you knew what your personal values are kind of in like a family value structure, but how do you grow up and learn what your professional values are? Um, And so, you know, it's interesting because I, I have a hard time not answering this question as the professional I am that writes mission and vision values for brands. Uh, it's a really hard, it's really hard for me to be like, how do I just answer this as an individual and not as a, as a right. brand enthusiast. But I, but what I think is really important and you know, this is actually what I say to, to companies is like your values are kind of like a gut check and the mm. rallying cry. And I think that that's applicable as a person too. Like, mm. does this, sit with me like can I put my head on my pillow at night gut check and rally and cry in the sense like does this excite me um and you know do I want to like shout it from the rooftop and so I think that when you think about like what was it for me or did it you know what can I speak to as values that's I would you know I I would say that's true for organizations but I think it's just as true for individuals Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. gut check rally and cry yeah yeah man such a good way to put it because yeah, as your talent overlaps with your values, and if you can constantly like have that gut check and that rallying cry, like there's balance in the world, mm-hmm. right? I mean, when yeah. I was doing all my corporate gigs, and I did a lot of startups and then a lot of corporate stuff, like the thing that always you've done so many, you've done so many. <laughs> it, it just the thing that pissed me off, right? Like, and I'm 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 unmanageable. That's why I'm an entrepreneur. I'm absolutely unmanageable, right? Just a complete Yahoo. But the thing that I would really upset me to no end was that the company would say these, oh, these are our values, right? Like, oh, we're not political. and Oh, we're data-driven. And oh, we're a meritocracy, right? Okay, great. I believe that. I believed it wholeheartedly, hook, line, and sinker, good to go. I'm going to bust my hump to like live this stuff. And then you realize it's all bullshit, like with the capital bullshit, like- mm-hmm. You know, I then I would always joke is, yeah, we deplore politicians, you know, only the bad ones, <laughs> because it, because any organization more than two people is politics. Right. And I did. I was naive. I mean, I'm full stop naive. I, I'm like, how mm-hmm. did I not know this? And it just it burnt me out, honestly. Mm. 
And so I, I really love that because the other thing that was really interesting and what I try to like, you know, the next generation of entrepreneur, right? The, the ones that are like forming in their mind, like, is this the right thing for me? They usually go through some stages, right? They're like, I want to start my own company so I can be my own boss and have freedom and make a lot of money. And you're like, because they're unmanageable. Because <laughs> they're unmanageable. Or good luck with that, because that never happens, or it doesn't happen without a lot of frustration yeah. and struggle and challenge. Like you got to be in it for the right reasons. That's why this values matter and that gut check and rallying cry. Like I think it's more like a feedback loop. Like you got to tighten that up because like yeah. it's gonna be a crappy ride sometimes. <laughs> You're gonna be mm-hmm. like, oh gee, I don't have any clients today or, ah, oh, I really need to yeah. figure out how I'm going to like, you know, mm-hmm. so I'm, I'm, it's just such a good, it's a very, it's a very astute way. So. Well, and I, I, I like to think of it in like how you, you know, it's how you choose your partners. Also. Mm. Uh, and that could be, again, be from an organization standpoint, or like we could apply that to our lives as individuals. Like how do we choose the associations and partnerships we want to have? Like, do they, we've, we've written these things do they align with them? And I, you know, I set out to do very intentional work. I said I wanted to, I wanted to do things that were good. And that meant like getting back to working with for nonprofits. I don't, I don't know that we get to talk about this, but we do have this in common in the sense that I, I'd worked for a couple of nonprofits and I loved being in that space, but I didn't want to go back to sitting inside of one nonprofit it can get like a little monotonous and a little cyclical. And it's like, Oh, at the same time every year we do the same drive. And, you know, and I, and like I said, I have such a, I, I have such a love for this space and I wanted to work with them again, but I decided that this is a really good way to get to vary, the, you know, get to vary the type of work I was doing and kind of stay on top and be creative and not get, get stuck in the cycle. Um, but I do think that for me, it was really important to define who I wanted to work with. And so, you know, I said I was going to work with nonprofits or small businesses that were doing good and, we are very fortunate to be in this time of social impact. And um, I think there's so many great organizations, but, uh, you know, as an entrepreneur, it allowed me to say, if, if I encounter a small business, that's a mom selling, you know, some, you know, whatever it might be, some good on the side, it's still, it's still good for the world. And this is like, she's doing this as a side hustle. So I, I love that there was also, a little bit of space in my own definition based on like what I valued. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I have a love hate relationship with nonprofits, to be honest, they drive me crazy. I mean, I, I run one called JSY giving in honor of Jane and it's, it's, it's a nonprofit, but like, you know, it's not like we're raising money. We're, we're a grantee nonprofit because we have a mm-hmm. small endowment that we use to help women, minority entrepreneurs, anti-human trafficking, literacy, and uh, services for youth. So it's like, yeah, these are all things Jane liked. And it's all things I mm-hmm. like too. And I like, you know, now with my fiance, Minerva, and some of the things that she's interested in, it's like all beautifully aligned, right? But nonprofits just, they sometimes, they grate me in the wrong way. And I want to help them too. Honestly, like I've done all sorts of stuff to help, but it, the attitude is different. And I find it interesting because part of the being an entrepreneur and part of like having that entrepreneur spirit, which can be applied to any business, like even a big business, if they're, if you're let, when I try to apply it to nonprofits, I get the pushback of, well, you know, we need to do our annual fundraising effort and we need to have our 
what's those silly things they do every year? Our gala. And, oh, you know, we have, and I'm just like, God, you just, this is the same thing over and over again. Like to your point, right? Can so, be a cycle. Yeah, right. You know, so, I mean, is it, <laughs> how do you, I mean, you know, you said that the reason, the reason to, um, to kind of expand away from that is to get out of that cycle. And, and so how, I mean, do you find that when you're, ta- you know, you have your talent and values and they, of course they align when they're aligned and you go out in the world and find people, like you said, nonprofits and small businesses, is there a trap in that, that sometimes you could sort of get in this? What I find honestly is that usually they don't have enough money to pay me and I feel bad and then I do a little work and then I feel more bad that I'm not getting paid what I deserve. <laughs> it's like, and this is some, I mean, for entrepreneurs, like starting out, right. Sometimes you like got to take the business to get the experience. And I'm just curious how, how that dynamic helped for you, because like me, you're probably like, you see, God, what a huge potential. And then you're like, mm-hmm. oh, this is never going to go anywhere. They have the wrong attitude or whatever. I think that's, that is a tricky one. Uh, there, I feel like there were a couple questions in that question, honestly, but I think one answer is uh, it was important to me to, to do some of this work, one in like self-fulfillment and two, in just like, there's so much room for growth and potential in this like visual and verbal branding side of some nonprofits. Uh, and it, it, it's not hard. It's just that they don't have the financial or energetic resource to do it. And so it's it's great to be able to do that. And it's also great to be able to, you know, I can still do some work at like a different tier of price. Um, and that was something that I had to learn early on for the area that I was going to serve was that not everyone was coming at this from the same spot. You know, like I was working with truly startup nonprofits who were like, we're just figuring out how to do this and become something. And then I was looking for some who'd been in existence for, you know, years who you probably get an annual giving campaign thing from. And, you know, and so I think the learning that there is um, freedom to, to know what you cost or know what your value is and charge then according also to the situation that you're in. I mean, and that is like a very um, tactical response to that question, but I think that you can still do some work you want to do. Uh, and let other work also offset that work. Um, but I also think, you know, it's something that I've loved, and this is kind of a fun thing from being an entrepreneur or being a consultant. Is like people really do listen when you come to them from outside of the organization. It's so amazing. Uh, I could have been sitting inside of the organization and recommended something, and it would have been like, oh, you don't really have time to do that. You need to be doing these things. And then I could come to that same organization from outside and say, here's the service that I offer, and here's why it's really important to your business, and here's why you should do it. And and it's great. So it's just kind of fun to get to, to step outside. Yeah, yeah. Being an outsider is good. Yeah. In some cases, you're right. Yeah. No, I didn't think of it that way. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. No, it's like, it's interesting that you bring up this whole tiered approach because I, I like that sort of attitude. I mean, I think most, a lot of, a lot of hardcore tech entrepreneurs do that too. You know, they've got the freemium free tech and then they escalate you up the this service and that service and that subscription and this subscription. This is what actually what I'm trying to do as I'm more from more of a agency to a product service and package type mm-hmm. offering. Because mm-hmm. um, I'm, I'm getting really frustrated with the agency stuff because it's just kind of, uh, I don't know. It's, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't like satisfy my need to create. Yeah. You know, because the fun part of this job, like in engineering was creating something from nothing. 
right? It's like the best thing ever. <laughs> you know, someone comes to you and says, hey, so what do you think? And you're like, oh, what do I think? Well, here we go, right? Um, so how, 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 so how do you, how do you then approach that? I mean, I'm always fascinated by how people approach their creative process. Cause I'm also really fascinated about the book because, um, I'm not going to ruin it for everyone. Cause I want you to say a lot about it, but, um, can you take us through that creative process? Because of what I always find is that, you know, I always say entrepreneurs are the creatives of the business world and we can learn a lot from authors and other creatives. And then on the conversely, Hey, authors, you should look at these entrepreneur folk because not only do they make stuff, then they're like, well, I guess we got to sell this stuff too, which every author is cringes. I can just hear all the authors go, no, don't talk about sales. <laughs> you know, it's really funny as, as a marketer, I am really excited to sell a book. And oh. that's probably such a rare response for you. But I, <laughs> I've been a, an advertiser and marketer my whole career. I then, you know, I started my own business. So I'm able to market my own service, but I've like never had my own product to hustle. And there's just something about having like a a tangible physical, talk to me, talk to me in May and I might feel differently. But right now I'm very excited to be entering this phase and uh, depending on how long we talk or when and how we talk about a book, it's what's really interesting to me is the phases of the book process and how I have used different skills and kind of um, I I kind of consider it continuing education because I've just been so many different business people in this process. Uh, And so I'm excited to now be aligned and be in the phase of being a marketer. But um, your question was about creative process in general. And I think that what's really interesting. So at the, the core heart of my business, the work I love to do the most is really uh, mission, vision, values work and defining brand voice. And, you know, I kind of feel like we live in a society where the visual side of branding has been given a great deal of respect and need and the verbal side of branding just isn't thought of as much. And I really feel like the way you look and what you say about yourself are equally important. And so I think it's just really great to kind of have these, these strategic core items in place that people can know and go to easily. And for me, a lot of that comes from, from who the organization is, um, why they started, what their reason for being is. You know, my process really starts off with a questionnaire and kind of like an intake of all of this information about the organization. And what's really interesting to me when I think about the question you just asked me relating it to the book is, uh, I did a similar intake. It was just on myself for 10 years. <laughs> wow. And, and uh, the my business side, the process feels more collaborative. Like I'm doing the writing, but the, in, you know, the insights all coming from the client. And what's interesting as I've tried to find parallels between my business and my book is that, um, you know, they're all, they're both about filtering out something. So in my business, it's like filtering out the mission, vision, values, or these succinct statements for this organization. And in my book, it was about filtering out these lessons, like these these things I learned each day. And what's neat is uh, in my business, I give clients these tools to then go out and, um, you know, I write them for them. And in my book, I've made my book 
kind of part advice book, part journal. And so there's oh, these wow. prompts that there's these prompts that leave the reader actually like I'm, I'm not giving them the answer, but I'm giving them uh, the question to find the answer, which would then like reveal the wisdom that they already possess. So it took me a little while to find parallels. You know, I'm again, like I'm a marketer, I'm a brander. I'm like, how is it possible that I wrote this book that has absolutely nothing to do with my business or this this person that I am, but I'm uh, I'm finding the the thread and it's really exciting. I mean, I think that's the beautiful thing about the writing process, to be honest. I know when I started my memoir about Jane and I's relationship, um, Brooke, Brooke is my coach or was my coach or still mm-hmm. is my coach. And actually, <laughs> I don't know. She's always, I'm like, well, Brooke, you're always going to be my coach now, no matter what. <laughs> I think this, I, I might, I, this, this podcast might turn into the Brooke Warner fan club. Uh, <laughs> Well, now I've, she's I've, she, right. Exactly. Well, now I've she's heard gonna... a, I've heard a few things. Yeah. I've heard a few a few comments and things, but yeah, I think <laughs> that's the beauty of this, right? Is that Brooke might, you know, she's so great at so many things, and maybe she does kind of hang around with you for a while, which is good. Well, yeah, and so that's the kind of partner to have. Yeah, for sure. And she, I mean, actually, Spark Press is going to publish it too, which is even more awesome. Um, and I'm really looking forward to that process like, like you, because see, what's interesting is I have, a, I have a hard time promoting myself. You know, I've written six other books there. They did. Okay. I mean, okay. Marginally. Okay. The one that does the best is the entrepreneur ethos. Cause I have a podcast and I talk about it every, every week. Right. It's like, get the book, get the book. I don't even, I don't even say that. Right. I just say like, Hey, you're interested. Right. Hey, there's also a book. <laughs> there's also a book, right. It's, it's based on the book. Um, but I have the hardest time. Like it's, it's a, it's a block. It's actually a mental block. I mean, I can do it for other people. I've done it successfully for other people. I can understand what they do and build, but boy, like you're excited about promoting your book. I am terrified of promoting my new, the memoir. I mean, the rest of them are businessy things. They're like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. But the memoir, like the, you know, it's that personal thing, you know, like the, like, mm-hmm. I, it's like, you almost feel for me, I feel like almost like a fraud in one sense, because I'm like, I'm writing about something very personal. There's a lot of these life lessons. And then actually that's what Brooke pulled out of me. Um, I had a, I had a, a bunch of great writer friends and editor friends, like, you know, Leslie and Shelley that did just a fantastic job, helped me get to the point in the memoir where I then take it to Brooke and then Brooke just shines it like a diamond. I mean, I'm just like, Oh, this thing turns out way better because it's like, it's the, it's the thing I didn't want to do, which was yeah. put myself in it and build the emotion and meaning to a point where you like, you know how I felt and mm-hmm. the feelings, the feelings <laughs> that was always hard for me because it's like, who am I? Like, you know, I went through this thing and, and you know, who am I? Like, who the hell am I? It's yeah. Some, oh, I you, know, you know, so I'm, I'm curious if you found that same thing or. Or you compartmentalize it? How do you? No, I can totally relate to this. So I, my book, when I first started, I I envisioned kind of like this gift book. So I feel like I said this to you before, but just just so it's clear and on the record, like I I wrote down one thing I learned every day for ten years, starting when I moved to a new city for my first job out of college. Wow! And it was just for no other reason other than I felt like. I was learning a lot. Like it was so much new, like a new job, like a new roommate, new couch. I mean, truly like all of these new experiences. And I felt like 
one, I kind of wished I'd had a guide and two, I really wanted to remember them. And so I started doing this just for myself and I just kept at it. And it became one of just the most wonderful things I had done for myself. Like I have now seven black leather moleskin journals and they would be the first thing I would grab if, if there was a fire. Um, but so that's to say that I kind of just had all these short lessons. And in my mind, if I was to publish this, it was truly just going to be like, like a little gift book. Like, I don't know if you remember the Life Little Instruction book. By yeah, like chick- Chicken I, Soup for the Soul or yeah, 365, the Jane Austen quotes. Yeah, yeah. So just like a little, so, some quotes, some, yeah, some life some lessons, quotes. some quotes, something that would spark a thought in you and, you yeah. know, that would be it. Yeah, yeah. And when I was going through the publishing process, I heard this um, from a few different people. I, I, I did not work with Brooke as my coach. I worked with someone through Brooke, um, Annie Tucker, who is equally wonderful. And uh, something that I learned was that, or I was told and then learned, was that people needed to know how I learned the lesson or what it meant to me, that I couldn't just share the lesson because then, like, there were just so many questions or so many more things or, um, you know, that if I wanted, if I wanted people to really pay attention and learn how to like see what was happening all around them, I had to actually let them know how it happened to me. And so I can totally relate from that vulnerability piece and from that piece of who am I? Like, I just kept being like, they don't know who I am or they don't care who I am. Or, and I think what I've actually come to really appreciate is that, you know, I'm not some famous person who's sharing what I learned. I'm some hopefully very relatable person who just went through it and like wants to help you and be the guide that I didn't have. Um, And so I agree with you that I am wholeheartedly afraid to promote myself normally, which feels so strange to then say I'm very excited to market a book that pours my last (laughs) 10 years of my life out onto paper, but, but I'm excited. So we're going to keep going with that. Yeah. Well, I, you definitely need to teach me some of that because I, I get, I, I worry about it. I, and and not, I mean, it's not that bad. I mean, I'm, I'm actually practicing doing it more. This show is part of that learning sales is part of that writing more stuff is part of that. Um, but I love, love what you talked about. Cause that's exactly what Brooke told me. So she's like, you know, when you're writing your memoir, you have to have these takeaways and in order for those takeaways to stick, they have to have emotion and meaning in the context of how you, how you learn that. Like, like, so if, if you're writing a scene, this is for all the writer folk. So if you're writing a scene about your life and you've put the scene in and you're writing through it, like ultimately at the end, there should be some like reflection about what you learn from that experience. Right. And mm-hmm. when I, the first draft of the memoir didn't have a lot of those in it, there were some, I mean, the beautiful thing is she saw, Oh yeah, it looks like you can write, <laughs> you know, like you're not a complete basket case. Okay. There's something to work with. It's sort yeah. of like the, yeah. you know, okay. You know, here, here's the lump of clay. Now go make this beautiful, whatever. Mm-hmm. Right. Or as I don't remember who said it, like I see the marble, I see the statue in the marble. I just got to remove the pieces. Right. So I had something like, I write. Okay. Like I'm not a complete moron, um, but it was, it was beautiful because yeah, you, you know, as, as I think anyone that's not a narcissistic psychopath, you have the reflection of who am I? Um, and I think entrepreneurs have the same thing, right? I mean, cause you're, you're pushing the envelope of building something from nothing 
And building something from nothing is scary. And that's why books are like such a good parallel because you pour your heart and soul into it. And then you're like, what happens if no one reads this? <laughs> I'm like, oh, I really like the cover. It's a good cover. There's a whole box of these inside my basement. It's like, um, oh, the I need to prop the sofa up. I think I've got three of my books. I, you know, I'm just kidding, but. I mean, no way, no way. Um, <laughs> I, I don't believe it, but I, I do think it's a really exciting. Um, I think it's a really exciting process, and I'm, I'm real. Like I said, I'm really looking forward to having a. Maybe, maybe it's because you had products before. I've never had a product, so oh, I haven't. I've never had a product to, to sell. So this will be my first product to personal product to promote personal and market. Product. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, no, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. The first the first ones, it was yeah. <laughs> I was naive. I'm like, well, I write this book and they will come. Ah, come to my great idea. And nobody cares. You have to tell them that they care. And that I think that's the that's the thing that I had to get had to get over. And and the way I got over it was being of service. Mm. The, the way I approach it now, it's like I'm sharing what I know to help someone else so that they won't make the same mistakes I made. And, you know, since I'm older, you know, and crazy uncle Jari says all these wacky things, you know, like I, I have, I, I, my, I have to switch my attitude and mindset on it because sometimes people don't want your advice, obviously some, you know, but you got to kind of put it in a way where I always think if you find a community, you'd be useful for the community, like mm-hmm. be of service. And then, things happen. I don't know. Maybe that's just me, but I'm, I'm yeah, curious well, if, if that's like how you think about it. I think I, you know, I, I said when I started writing these things that it was in part because I wished I'd had a guide and in part because I wanted like to remember them, but it was also never really for me. Like it was always, to me, I felt like I was always writing for someone else. So that's what, that's what feels particularly exciting is I feel like these are lessons and notes that need to be shared. You know, I called it a field guide for your twenties. Uh, the lessons, the lessons are of course relevant to people well beyond their twenties, but it felt like it was this, um, kind of compartmentalized time in my life that, uh, you know, one, I am not too far past that. I'm just a couple of years, a couple of years into my thirties here. So I can't claim to be an expert on too much more, but I, I feel like it really is this, companion book that you could have with you that you could say, oh, I'd love to flip to this relationships chapter and see what it says about that. But then there's also questions in there that are going to make you, you know, ask things of yourself and say, like, how do I feel? What am I learning right now? You know, I say this all the time that I would just look around and say, like, why is this moment happening in my life? And what can I learn from it? And that's what I want people to take away from the book. And I feel like, you know, paying attention to the lessons that are happening all around you and like just getting to know yourself is mm. just really so key to where you're trying to go. And uh, so I, you know, I, I agree with you that it does feel like it's in service of someone else. And when I, you know, when I said I, I left my job because I wanted to start my business, I also knew in the back of my mind that I wanted to make space to write this book. And I feel like it is also, you know, I wrote two things on a dry erase board and it was like, help others do good and write the book. And um, 
write the book felt like it had been this item on this list for a lot of years, but it became this mantra almost that is like to do the thing that you've always wanted to do or felt like you should contribute. Like this is something that has been on my mind for years, no matter what city I lived in or what job I was in. Like I felt like I wanted to write the book. And so I'm excited that that's actually going to be a thing. Yeah. April. April of this year, 5th, April, 2022. April, 5th, 2022. April 5th, 2022. So cool. So do you still write down something you've learned every day? I do. I wow. do. Wow. It, it is, Man. you know, I feel like it, at first it was, um, I feel like it was healing in the moment where it helped me to just like get through whatever I was getting through or to have a quick record. Like if you did this, you would be amazed at the cycles of your own life. Like, Oh, the same time of year, I kind of always feel the same doubt about leaving this job or like, look at these things you've actually overcome. Like you can get through this. And so having, I mean, truly having this catalog of your own life to look back on really is like a great tool for both gratitude and just for like personal growth and motivation. Um, But I really felt like I, I gave myself space to notice my life experience. Like, to just slow it down and say, okay, what did you learn today? Why did that happen? And um, it kind of taught me how to recognize my inner voice and then how to, like when to trust it and when not to. So I still do it. Um, You know, I, I'm in a totally different life stage now. I'm, I'm married. I've been a mom for a couple of years. Maybe field guide for mom or field guide for, for pregnancy and early motherhood will be next. Uh, I think the great thing is, is that, you know, I, I'm still getting to learn, but I, I still have these little, little short lessons I can, can share with others. So, so the, what you write in the journal, the, what, what, what are the, what were the two questions that you ask yourself? Was there two or three? I, I think it's, it's most often, uh, when I sit down, I'm, I kind of try to filter out the day of like, sometimes I just say, what did I learn today? Mm-hmm. But if there's like certain things that came to mind, I will, I'll think of the instance and say like, why did this moment happen and what can I learn from it? And oh. it really helps me to filter out, filter out the day and write down one thing. Wow. I love that. It, it feels like there's other benefits too, you know, like the habit, the predictability of the routine. I do it every night before I go to sleep. Maybe it helps me sleep better. I'm a pretty good sleeper. <laughs> well, I love that just for entrepreneurs, right? Like why did this happen or what happened today? And what did I learn from it? I think are are two very powerful questions that, uh, yeah, I mean, it's interesting. Like, yeah, I like that because too often, especially when you're like deep in your business and you're, you've got like the the laundry list of stuff to do, just, it never ends. Right. Just never, Mm -hmm. ever, ever, ever ends taking time to be like, you know, what happened today and what did I learn from it? I think it centers you and I think realizing and maybe even giving you some yourself some credit to be like, Oh, I actually did. You know, like, Oh, I may not have got the project done today, but I, I learned, you know, I learned a shortcut and blah, blah, blah. That made it, you know, or what, I don't know. I don't know what these lessons, these learnings are, but like, it's, it seems like an interesting way to like a line. I don't know. Well, and you're, you're making your days more useful. Like, Oh, good one. Yeah. If you just went through everything that happens today and just didn't process it and started tomorrow, like 
there's something that happened to you today that you can take into tomorrow. And I feel like recognizing the events of each day can actually help you in the next day and like help you how you, like it can change your lens for how you view and approach the next day. Nice. Well, I think that's a great place to end. Am I going to make a journal? Am I going to make a journal out of you? (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's interesting because uh, when I was working on the memoir, my editor, my first editor, who's a friend of mine, Leslie, um, you know, she read it and she's like, ah, oh, this is okay. Right? Like, you know, you can write, you got a good scene stuff, but there's no, she's like, there's no emotion and meaning in this. Like that, that was basically what we came down to. And she's like, well, why don't you write a journal? Like journal, like, like you're back there in time and journal. And I said, well, I, I did do some of that. She's like, oh, really? I said, yeah, I used to do this thing called a care circle where I'd send out the updates to the family, mm-hmm. but independent of that, I'd write, write in like a journal just cause I was so, I mean, it's a whole thing, but um, one of the things I did is I did this emotion and meaning journal. Like I was back each day living through it and her, what she told me to do, she's like, do not filter this, put everything, every emotion and meaning. If you were pissed off, if you hated someone, no one's ever going to read it except for you. And then when you're done, when we find the scene where that goes in, mm-hmm. read it and then rewrite the scene. And I'm like, I don't want to do this. It's too bad. It's too hard. It's too hard. And it was brilliant. So I go back and forth on that. Um, I think I'll read your book and then I'll figure out if I want to journal That's or not. <laughs> Perfect. And I appreciate, oh yeah. And I appreciate your time. Thank you so much, Michelle. Just such a great conversation. It's it's just gems of wisdom, gems of wisdom. So stay safe and we'll be in touch. Thank you. You too. I appreciate it. Thanks, Jerry. Thanks so much, Michelle, for being on the show. As everyone knows, I love talking to authors, especially she writes press authors because they are all super awesome. So as promised, here are some actionable insights that I learned from my interview with Michelle. The springboard for Michelle's book was a daily journaling practice where she reflects on what happened and what she learned that day. She recommends it as an invaluable tool for processing your life and for ensuring you carry lessons forward into the next day. And yeah, I mean, she did that for like a whole 10 years, every day for 10 years. That's like, what, 3,600, <laughs> 3,650 or something like that? So yeah, I mean, ask yourself these questions when you, if you're going to do this, which is a good idea, you know, exactly right. What did I do today and what did I learn from it, right? I think that's a really good way to kind of level set yourself, especially if you're going through starting your company, doing all these things, you know, sometimes taking that, just that one to two minutes at the end of the day may help, right? And trying to clarify values and check for alignment with mission and vision Michelle asks her clients to do a gut check and look for a rallying cry. Does it feel right? Does it feel exciting? So yeah, I mean, I love this idea of the rallying cry. Um, that's sort of like in my word world, the big, you know, the why or the big idea. And you really do um, need to kind of ask yourself, okay, like what's the bigger idea here? What's the big goal? What's my North Star, right? That is going to help you through all the trials and tribulations, right? If you want to share a lesson learned, be sure to include details about what was going on and what it meant. Michelle's original vision for the book was simply to share the lessons she learned. 
but she realized she had to add these elements in order to communicate her message more effectively. Yeah, context is very important. I remember uh, working on my memoir with my coach, Brooke, who is, you know, the publisher of She Writes Press, who's awesome. Um, it was all about like the set and setting and the emotion and meaning of what is in the context of things, right? Just having like, hey, this is what I learned doesn't really have a lot of impact unless you kind of know the details of where that is all going in. So think about it that way. Ask yourself these questions as in what was going on when I had that experience? What, you know, what, what are the circumstances? Sometimes it could be super stressful and it, you may have a different perspective when you're not so stressed out. So there you have it. The actionable insights that I learned from my awesome interview with Michelle. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Entrepreneur Ethos Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did creating it. My hope is that you learned something that can make you a little bit better. If you enjoyed the podcast, please do share it with friends and review it on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You can also join my email list by visiting theentrepreneurethos.com to get my thoughts on what I'm doing to get better as well as what I'm working on. You can also pick up my book, The Entrepreneur Ethos, if you want to learn the traits, values, and beliefs that I think we need to build a more ethical, inclusive, and resilient entrepreneur and, frankly, world community. Feel free to follow me on Twitter at The Daily MBA and let me know if you have any questions or recommendations for a guest you'd like me to talk to. Also, drop me a note if you try anything we talked about on this or any other episode. I'd love to hear what's working for you. Until next time, keep getting better.